Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I was a little cold, so I had to put my sweater on. Um, apparently, the word on the street is that Pastor Trevor was giving me a hard time last week. Is that true? About hijacking the sermon series that we're in right now. He said that I promised to dress up like the dude. Pastor Trevor, if you're listening to this message, and I know you will be, you misrepresented me, man. And if you say, yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. My response to you is this aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> well, anyway, for your sake, for your sake, my family at 930 Walker Hall, I'm going to play along because this is the dude. And I guess it's the dude is from some movie or something out there, and uh, I got the dude sweater. Thank you for letting me borrow it. Uh, it's actually a nice sweater, man. It's like Pendleton. It's like $250 sweater here. It's keeping me warm on a cold winter day in Southern California. Now, I didn't have time to grow out my hair. I asked Dean if I could borrow his goatee, but he said, not now, maybe next year. So uh, anyway, if you haven't been here in a couple weeks and you have no idea what we're talking about, what's all this talk about, dude? Well, we're in the season of Epiphany, and it's part of our church year, right? And we use that word, Epiphany, when we talk about having a moment of insight, a moment of revelation, right? I just had an Epiphany. A light bulb goes off in our heads. It's an aha moment, right? That's our sermon series. Aha moments during Epiphany. Epiphany in the church is just like that. A light bulb goes off in our mind as a church, and there's an insight, there's a revelation, there's an aha moment. It's made known to all. It's a season of insights. It's a season of light, enlightenment. Like Marco just read, Isaiah chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's Epiphany. It's a season of encountering God, making realizations about him, aha moments. But the reason I wanted to change the sermon series, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago and you don't know what I'm talking about, is because when I realize something awesome or radical or I have a new insight, an epiphany, you might say, I don't say, aha, do you? Who says that? I know what we all say. We say, dude, right? Dude, I just realized, dude, that's awesome. So I wanted our sermon series to be dude moments, this epiphany, right? Dude, I never thought of it that way, right? Dude, the synapses are firing upstairs. My heart's on fire. Dude moments, this epiphany. Now, I get it. The sanctuary folks couldn't handle it, and so we got to play both sides of this thing. But you and I, we really know what this series is titled, titled Dude Moments. And Pastor Trevor, if you're listening, I never agreed to dress up like the dude, but I'll play along because the dude abides, all right? <laughs> and by the way, Pastor Trevor, I don't know. Whatever happened to that rug that we had up here? That rug really tied the room together. You remember that rug that we used to have up here? All right, inside joke. Okay, I'm taking the sweater off. It's getting hot up here. All right. Anyway, we've hit through a lot of dude moments, aha moments in our series so far, and actually there are a bunch of them in our gospel reading today. I found like three or four big dude moments for me personally, and I hope for us as a church uh, you will see them. And if you find another dude moment in there that I don't mention, Email me because I'd love to hear about it. But there is one really big one that I want to focus on. But first off, next week is National Lutheran Schools Week. Everybody know that's going on? Next week, we do it every year. Every year around this time, we celebrate school. We celebrate our church body's uh, commitment and great work through education. In fact, if you don't know, we have around 2,000 schools throughout the United States. We have 22,000 teachers in those schools with more than 200,000 students. In fact, our own preschool through eighth grade right here at St. John's is the largest of its kind in our denomination. 
Uh, we have two great local high schools, Orange Lutheran, Crean Lutheran, Irvine. We have Concordia University in Irvine, and we have Concordia Seminary St. Louis Satellite Campus on Irvine's campus. A lot of great education. In fact, if anyone works at one of those institutions, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand so we can all see you. There we go. Let's give these folks a round of applause. And keep your hand up high. I want to see you again. There's a lot, a lot of folks here, okay? A lot of you. Uh, you are sharing Christ uh, through excellent educational. You're making a difference in a lot of students' lives, and we're grateful for that. So uh, speaking of schools, speaking of our school here, one of the things that we often do around here at St. John's is we have our school choirs uh, help lead worship. We were supposed to have the fifth graders today, but some complications happened that couldn't be here. But at 11 o'clock, we got the fourth graders singing. But one of the interesting things that happens when a school choir sings is to watch parents watch their kids, right? Now, I know this firsthand I, as a parent. When I uh, see my kid and I watch them, I love it. But you know, one thing is the kids up on stage, they want to be seen, right? They want their parents, their grandparents, their guardians, their aunts, uncles, whoever's come to see them. They want to be seen by them. They want to be noticed. They'll ask later, oh, did you see me? Did you see me when I, did you see me when I was singing? Did you see me when I did this or that, right? And that's not, that's for everything, right? How many times have you heard a kid say, watch me, right? I mean, we even got that song, watch me, watch me, watch me, right? Watch me, watch me whip, watch me nana, okay? All right, my kids, that was like a five-year-old song, but man, they, they're, they're singing it all the time, right? Kids want to be seen. They want to be watched. They want to be watched by parents, by teachers, by friends, by mentors, by people who love them. Because to be seen is to be noticed. To be noticed is to belong. And every kid wants that whether it's on the soccer field or up in front of church or in a play or a musical recital or dancing or just riding a bike or catching a wave or jumping off a, a diving board, whatever it is, watch me, right? Have you ever had a kid in your life say that? Watch me. And the people that love those kids, they love to watch them, right? They love to see them. I'm a father. I love to watch my kids. I love to see them grow up. I love to notice them. I love to even watch them when they don't know I'm watching them, right? If you've ever taken care of a child, someone in your care, you watch them. You see them. And if you're a parent, long before they were even born, even before they were aware of it, you were watching for them, right? You probably had a vision of your children long before they were born. I remember when I got married. When we got married, I was thinking of the kids that we might one day have, have a vision for them. We get the pictures, and we become pregnant in marriage, and we get pictures of the ultrasounds, and we put them up on our screens, we put them up on the wall, and we see them, and we watch them, and then finally they're born, and we hold them, and we stare at them, and we watch them. And eventually, they notice us watching. Eventually, they notice us looking at them. Eventually, they see us seeing them, right? If you've been with kids, I see you, Right? And they love it. They love to be seen, to be seen, to be noticed, to belong, to connect with someone who loves you eye to eye. Children have a lot of identity in them, in that. It's important for them to have an experience like that. It's important for them to be seen. It's almost foundational to who they are. But it's not just for little kids, is it? It's for us big kids, too. Now, that can be taken to an extreme, right, to an unhealthy, narcissistic way, like everybody's watching me, and everybody better be watching me, and no one likes to be around that guy, right? 
but there's a healthy side to it. We all need to be seen. We all need to be noticed. We all need to belong. My friend, there's a, there's a dude moment coming. Watch for it. But first, before we get there, let's look at our gospel reading. It speaks to that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, when, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, and then leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, the Via Maris, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, there are definitely some huge dude, aha moments right there with Jesus fulfilling prophecy, but let's keep going. I want to get to another big one. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says, from that time on, Jesus began. He began to preach. That means he began to teach. He began to talk. He began to speak into people's hearts and to their lives in a way that they could hear. And he said these words. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, when you hear that word repent, there's some kind of weird connotations to that word in our culture today. Don't get hung up on that. It basically means it's, it's like Jesus is giving people permission to turn away from all the broken stuff, all the bad stuff, all the stuff that's holding you back in your life, all the stuff that's, that's clinging, you, clinging to you and bringing you down. Jesus is giving permission to turn away from that and to turn in faith, to trust in God. And that's what we're about to see. That's what he's going to do in the next verses. He's going to ask these folks. Jesus is going to call his very first disciples, his first followers, his apprentices, you might say. But even more, they were like family. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake. But they were fishermen. Did you see it? This is where the call to discipleship starts. It doesn't start with Peter or Andrew. It doesn't start with them seeing Jesus or them noticing Jesus or them finding Jesus. It starts with Jesus seeing them. We can leave that verse up. Let's leave it up. He's noticing them, right? Look at there. He says, he saw. Jesus saw. He's watching. Jesus saw two brothers. My friends, that is huge. It's the foundation that God had his gaze, his sights, his vision upon Peter and Andrew. And while we see it tangibly here in this text, we see Jesus, the Son of God. God the Father had his sights on them long before this moment that we're reading right here. Before the world was created, God had a vision to create them. A friend of mine in one of my life groups uh, had his birthday this past week, and we prayed Psalm 139 over him. Uh, King David, one of the verses, prayed to God and says this, Psalm 139, verse 16, your eyes, God, your eyes, right? Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Not only did Jesus see Peter and Andrew first, God the Father saw them before they were born. He had a vision of their life and every day of that life. St. Paul also talks about this awesome reality, this vision that God has for us reaching back before the creation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, St. Paul said, For he, God, chose us in him, in Christ, 
chose us before the creation of the world to what? To be holy and blameless and love it in his sight. The call to discipleship is rooted in God our Father seeing us before the foundation of the world, choosing us in Christ, and Christ seeing us, not us seeing him. It's kind of like a really good family, right? In a really good family, mom and dad had their sights on their children long before they were born, long before they took their first breath, long before they could get up in front of church or get on the soccer field or uh, play a musical instrument and do a recital. Long before that, long before those kids could say, watch me, watch me. This is where the call to discipleship to following Jesus begins. It begins with God. It begins with his vision. It begins with his sight on us. My friends, that's a huge dude moment. It's an aha moment. It's, dude, God saw me before the foundation of the world. He created me. He chose me. He saw me first. That's liberating. It's freeing. It's a foundation to build your entire identity upon. It's love of the highest order. It's being seen by God, noticed by God, belonging to God, connecting to God. This this is Discipleship Checkup Sunday. And I just want to remind you as we talk about following Jesus that our following of Jesus always starts with him. It starts with his initiative, not ours. That's the connect to God part of our pathway here at St. John's. We do it in worship. We're doing it right now. We do it in our daily times of prayer and getting into the word. God connects to us. He he sees us. He chooses us. He imparts his grace upon us. He communicates to us. He calls us to follow him further and deeper. You see, after Jesus saw Peter and Jesus saw uh, his brother Andrew fishing, he didn't just see them. He called them, right? They didn't call Jesus. Jesus called them. Verse 19, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So just a reminder on this verse. I've said it before years in the past. In Jesus' day, a rabbi would never do something like this. Rabbis never called their disciples to follow him. The disciples had to ask the rabbi, had to get permission to follow him, had to demonstrate their worth. It was like getting into Harvard. There were a lot of hoops to jump through. Right? Admissions at Harvard just doesn't go out to some podunk town to get a C-minus student and say, come on, you're on board, right? That's kind of what Jesus was doing. Jesus sees them. He calls them. Radical at that time. And so what do they do? Verse 20, at once. At once they left their nets and they followed Jesus. And then we see it happen again, verse 21. Going on from there, he, that's Jesus, he saw. He's watching. He saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus not only sees them, he called them. He is the one with the initiative. And in verse 22, we see it again. Immediately they left the boat, they left their father, and they followed him. This text is just jam-packed with dude, with aha moments. I love that one. It starts there. We don't have to do anything to be worthy of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
We are a child of God born into the family. I mean, that's a dude moment. That's connecting to God that, that we're seen, that we're noticed, that we are being watched, that we belong. But there's some other dude moments in there too. We, we don't follow Jesus alone, right? In this text, we just see the first four disciples called, right? Jesus didn't have one disciple. It isn't just me and Jesus all by myself, right? Jesus had 12 disciples. It was the first Christian life group. That's the grow together of our discipleship pathway. We live this life together. We belong to each other. And finally, the call to follow Jesus is a call that it pushes us, pushes us outside of ourselves. It pushes us to other people, right? Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. And that's when I was like, dude, right? That's the discipleship pathway at our church. It's like connected to the Bible. It's like right there. Oh, that makes sense, right? Share Christ. That's what we do here. We share Christ with our words. We share Christ when we serve others. We share Christ with the resources that God has given to us that we give so others can experience and have aha moments, dude moments, they realize who Jesus is. But I love that there's a nuance to it. And I think it's quite liberating too because Jesus didn't find his first disciples in Jerusalem. He didn't find them in the great center of theological learning. He didn't go up to his hometown among his people where he grew up, where he was networking, where he was connected and, and get the people he kind of knew. He went to Capernaum, a city on the trade route called the Via Maris. Perhaps that was intentional. He didn't call the leaders of that city. He found some fishermen. I think we learned from that as people and as a church, that God is calling us to all types of people, especially those that are different than us, especially the ones that the church or the world would not expect to be a leader, to be a disciple, to be a follower in the church. I hope that can guide us as individuals and as a church, but most importantly, the most important dude moment for me in this text is I hope you never forget that Jesus sees you. Jesus calls you. Jesus invites you to belong. He calls you to join him in bringing his restorative hope to all nations. It really speaks to the two big questions about humanity, right? Why, who am I and why am I here? Who am I? I'm a child of God and I belong to this community. Why am I here? I'm here to fish for people and to bring them into God's love, identity, community, purpose. And your heavenly father, your big brother Jesus, your family is out there watching. Their eyes are on you. They see you, been watching you from eternity, and his gaze will never leave you. He sees, he calls, we follow.